Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 16 of the Backyard Banter Podcast. My name is Matt Harmon. Um, you know me from NFL.com, Reception Perception. And if you've been listening to this podcast, you know that we're not really talking about any of that stuff here. We're mostly interviewing some of the best people in our industry, trying to find out how they got to where they are um, in order to help other people along their path. And speaking of helping other people along their path, I'm actually going to start this episode by telling a story before I introduce my guest, because this is an important part of my uh my story with this guest. And I, every once in a while, I, I'll give a little bit of a background of how I met th- this individual that I have on. But so two and, a, two and a half years ago now, when I was first starting out as a, as a writer or deciding, I'm not, you know, I mentioned before I was going to go back to school, deciding I'm not going to do that. I'm going to try to do, be a football writer instead. I was on Twitter, you know, nobody knew who I was. I had like three followers or something. And I tweeted Cecil Lammy and Sigmund Bloom asking for help to, how do, how do you guys like find all these sleepers that you guys talk about on the audible? Like, give me some tips here. And my man Cecil replied with like 15 tweets, just, you know, not even really telling me like any names of any sleepers, but just encouraging me to chase after the dream and to keep working for it and, and doing, taking the extra steps, just all these great inspirational ideas to really get me off the map. And, and it was astonishing. It was really one of the first time like a writer ever reached out to me and encouraged me. And frankly, if I, it was a really, it really, an important moment because if that hadn't happened, you know, it was that kind of step that I needed to hear. I needed to hear that to take the step in order to keep going. So without my guest here, who is Cecil Lammy, I might not be sitting in this chair today. You guys might not be listening to this podcast. So Cecil, now that I've teed you up as a clear, important figure here, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Well, thank you very much, Matt. I appreciate your time as always. And really, it's an important memo for all of us out there, no matter what our industry or what we want to do, uh, stick with it. And I think if I had had the stick to that I do today and did, you know, 12 years ago when I got into radio, I might be a professional comic book artist right now uh, from my early days. And, uh, you know, back then I didn't have any sort of guiding force to let me know, like, no, it's okay when you hit a, a wall or a hurdle just keep going with it. And, you know, it's something that I always look back on and I feel very strongly that, you know, I, I've got friends now that I know, like Jay Lyston, who's an inker for Marvel. He's working on Avengers and X-Men and stuff like that. I am not as good of an artist as Jay, but I feel if I would have stayed with it when I was younger, I, I could have been like one of those guys working on X-Men or Avengers or stuff like that. Got into radio, got into football, obviously. And, it's a joy to be able to watch people such as yourself grow within this industry and do things the right way. And I think that's important to know. Yeah. And we'll definitely kind of hit on what that right way is and everything, but it really is funny. Like the way life just intercedes at the right moment to, to kind of take you through what, and whatever that force, whatever you believe it is like it, there is certainly, I mean, I've definitely seen that impact in my life, especially in that particular story. And it's, it's just great to, to, to see how all these stories intertwine together. So Cecil, your story, I always ask everybody at the start of the podcast, uh, tell me how you kind of came to fall in love with the game of football. Well, I grew up on the east coast of Colorado in the country in the middle of nowhere, a little tiny Grover, Colorado. If you know where it is, congrats. You've been to the middle of nowhere. There's, what, 30 people that were in my high school. There were eight people in my class. There were only nine guys in high school. And of the other 21, I think I was related to almost every female that I encountered in my high school days. So uh, like I went to my class reunion last year and my wife was like, and and my wife had to work or something. So I went by myself and 
my wife was like, are you going to run into any old flame? And I was like, what, my cousins? Like, no, of course not. I didn't date anybody from my high school. So in growing up in a small town and growing up on a, on a farm and a ranch, the first commercial feedlot in Wyoming, uh, I, you never take a day off, right? You're always working. You can't take a day off from feeding your cows, right? Or checking for sick cows or anything like that. I remember the coldest I've ever been is about 20 below outside. I don't know what the wind chill was, but I was nine years old riding pens looking for sick cows and my hands were frozen to the reins of my horse. I've never been colder in my life, but th this is the type of work. And I was nine, okay? I wouldn't, I've got a nine-year-old today. I would never let my nine-year-old outside 20 below, but this is what you had to do in the country. Like everybody do their part, everybody work. But the funny thing is, is on Sunday, my grandmother, God rest her soul, Grandma Mildred, she was a huge Broncos fan. Love Johnny Elway, go Johnny, go, she'd always say. So on Sundays, we'd all stop as a family and we'd go watch the Broncos. And me being the rebel, I grew up as a Steelers fan because I don't want to, I want to root for everyone else that's rooting for the Broncos. So it was kind of a, a key family moment that we would all work together, right? And we'd work hard and we'd work all the time. But on Sundays during the football season, we would all stop working and we'd start watching football. And, and it was, we don't have any, you know, family vacations, right? We grew up poor in the country. And my grandpa would always say, an old cow will never break you, but you're not going to make a lot of money. So we didn't have a lot of things. Um, and so we don't have, you know, look back on, remember the time we went to San Diego or whatever, like, no, but I do remember the time we all sat around and watched the Broncos for three hours. Like there were some very great memories um, from those times and watching together as a family, the rise and the fall of John Elway, you know, watching the drive. I remember during that drive and I was very young, but my sister was probably in high school age. And she's bawling on the couch. The Broncos are at the two-yard line. This is the AFC Championship game, right? This is the drive. This is legendary. In, in the, and, as, and she's bawling like an old sick cow. As the Broncos go from the, their own two-yard line, they drive down the field in two minutes, and John Elway throws that touchdown pass to Mark Jackson. Like, just to the, I remember her crying, getting less and less and quieter and quieter. And then the eruption when the, you know, John Elway throws that pass and the Broncos win the game. The Broncos go to the Super Bowl. Won't talk about what happened after that, but just those type of memories, you know. And again, thinking of my grandmother, who's a big influence on my life. And the fact that John Elway knows who I am and respects my opinion on football today, I always think of her, you know, because she died a few years ago. And it, it's really, Every time I talk to Elway, I think about her. I think about her every day. And I think about that love of football, which was ingrained with her and my father and my sister and how we grew up in the country, taking a break just to watch football. Yeah, that's pretty crazy to think about how it came all, you know, came full circle like that. It starts with the Broncos. And I hear you are, you know, one of the more respected people in the, in the business covering the Denver Broncos. That, that, is, that is pretty crazy. Um, so, so kind of take me through – you mentioned you were you you might have been ended up a professional comic book artist, so that's one of your your main interests outside of football, obviously. Yeah, yeah. In fact, just this weekend, I actually had a little bit of time, uh, and it's good to take a break. I remember years ago at the Shrine Game, I was talking to Mike Mayock, and you know, I was just like, I have a football all the time, football, football, football. And this was like two thousand two thousand eight, I think. Mm -hmm. And Mayock turned to me and he's like, man, you need to get a life. <laughs> like it is important for all of us who are so immersed in the National Football League to have those outside interests, to have those outside hobbies. Obviously, I have a family. I have three kids that I love dearly. A beautiful wife. I've been married to Stacy since 1997. So, you know, a lot of things outside of football that I need to pay attention to that are very, very important and much more important than football. 
But comic books are something like this last weekend. I got a chance to draw on my tablet and to work on a, a new comic book concept of been self-published as a comic book artist. You can go to the website, uh, sueimmortal.com, and it'll lead you to where you can buy the, the first issue of Gravis number one, which is me and my best friend, Eric Hoffman. Big E grew up at Grover with me. We played six-man football together. He was my center and I was his quarterback. So, Matt, I got to tell you, when you've had your hands on another man's crotch for that many times, getting sweaty together, you become very close. So Eric and I are very, very close. Love him like a brother. He is my brother. And we have about 150 comic book characters in our, our little universe that uh, you know had, had gone unpublished. In 1993, when we were very young, we were set to get published in Legend Comics. It was a local comic book company up in Fort Collins. They did an issue called Lords. And, uh, you know, we thought this is our end. We're going to get, we're going to be in the comic book industry before they had a chance to print our comic. They went out of business and mm -hmm. Eric and I just quit. We're like, Oh my God, it's over our dream. It's over again. The stick to itiveness. Like if, <laughs> if now me could talk to then me, I'd be like, dude, come on, who cares? Like next on to the next one. But I didn't, I, I stopped and, you know, went in a, in a different direction and went back to the farm and went back to the country and, kind of back to what I knew growing up, growing up instead of sticking with my dream, which was to be a, a comic book artist. So, you know, Eric had been diagnosed with uh, cancer probably three years ago, and we had never had our comics published, right? And we had all these great ideas. Gravis is our main hero. He controls gravity. Sue Immortal is one of our main heroes as well. He's suicidal and he's immortal. He's an ancient ninja and like he's got all sorts of problems. Like, it's just a great story between these two, like a new hero and an old hero who doesn't necessarily want to be a hero. So we have all these great stories, never been published. Eric was diagnosed with cancer, not to sound morbid, but I'm like, I, I don't want him to die. This is my brother. I don't want him to die and our, our comics never see print. So I found a way to self-publish, which is very easy today. It's much different than it was, you know, back in the 90s when Legend Comics was going to publish us. So I found a way to self-publish with a local printer here. I did 100 issues. You know, and, and, you know, they're available for sale. The, the first printing is sold out, but available for sale at sueimmortal.com. We barely sold any, but I appreciate everybody who helped in that. And it was more just for us. You know, I never, I didn't, I didn't print this comic to be like, we're going to be the next Robert Kirkman and like The Walking Dead and all that. Like, no, we have great stories. I'm a decent artist. I'm not as good as I, I need to be because I don't get to draw as much as I want, but I just wanted to do that for him. It was my gift to Biggie to be like, here, here's our comic. Here's our baby. Here's our creation. And, you know, this, this was fun to do. It's something we want to continue to do, uh, you know, but with work and with kids, it's, it's difficult to jam that other part of, of life in. But it is important to note that everyone follow those dreams and follow those passions and never give up because I'm a big believer and people that know me may get sick of me saying this, but I believe it's to be true. What you think about, you bring about you, you bring your thoughts into the physical world. If you sit around, I got a buddy of mine who hate, you know, has a terrible life. Hey, everything's bad. Job's bad. Boss is bad. And he brings his thoughts into the physical world because he thinks his life sucks. And guess what? It does. But if you think your life, I can do it and I can do it. And you really put all the focus into that energy flows where attention goes and synapses that fire together, wire together. I'm like the Chicano Johnny Cochran here today uh, with my Punisher teacher on. But the point is, like, you can do what you want to do. Just find what you love and do what you love and keep at it. 
Yeah, I know. And that is really an important piece of advice. It's something that I have instilled in my life, you know, after some, some tr- more troubling times and then, and then coming out of that and, and realizing that the negative part of you really does can control your entire life. Like it can, it, it can be all consuming when all you think about is negativity. And, and now that I've kind of changed that philosophy, I actually wrote about on my site about kind of applying it to wide receiver drops and how it's, it's, it's funny how we'll begin to, to just influence everything that you think about, like how I feel, how I, how I try to view all parts of life in a positive fashion and looking on the bright side, it kind of, it tends to be the way that I evaluate football players as well too. And it, it just makes, I don't know, it makes my life brighter. So it's definitely, I agree with you. It's something that's really important to Well, and one thing that I've found out through this entire journey, and again, being on air for now 13 years, People respond positively to positivity, okay? I know it's a Twitter world and there's a lot of negative negativity. I just mute people if they yeah. say something that's negative. I, I don't have time to go back and forth. I, you know, I always talk to Mark Schlereth, who's a dear, dear friend of mine. He loves going after the trolls. And I'm like, dude, where's the time? Like, I, I just, I don't get into that. It's his thing. It's not my thing. Doesn't make it better or worse. It's just the way that I approach Twitter. And people that are positive, you know, you're, you're looked at better. People respond to you better, a nice smile. You know, I just went to Starbucks before we got on air here. I always buy in the drive-through for the people behind me. Like, I don't care. Like I want you to have a good day because if you have a good day, you can influence and be positive to the people around you. And that's what all of us can do. So a little smile, a little, Hey man, how's it going? You know, just the, the smallest courtesy can mean so much because everyone's at a different point in their journey. I'm at a good point in my journey and I want to be able to share that kindness with the people around me, whether they're coworkers or complete strangers. Yeah. And that is really important, you know, just because what the good that you put out in the universe does come back to you in some way. Again, whatever you believe that that force is, or whether it's, there's no force at all. It's just, it's just the general idea that, you know, it, it, it comes back around and paying it forward is important, I think. And, you know, that's like I mentioned up top, you know, you taking the time out of your, out of your day to reply in a very long, like way more than I expected, long form response to me, you know, asking a simple question and encouraging me to keep chasing that dream as a writer, you know, it helped, it helped me a lot. It helped me get here today. And that's, and then, you know, again, putting good back into the universe. That's why I want to do this podcast. So that's why, you know, pull the curtain back here well, and you, but, you, uh, give, you give me too much credit matt because it's you it's it's well, you man i mean it's me like nudging you a little bit but it's you it's your work it's you being different it's you being a standout performer and a star with what you do i've given advice to people that have done nothing with that advice and i've given advice to people that maybe get a little bit i don't want to get too specific but they get a little bit of success but they don't they'll ask me for more advice and then they'll go against it and then things will fall apart. I'm not the key master, but it's just, it's all you, it's your intention. It's your focus. And I guess the best way for me to look at it is it's just good to be good. Okay. It's nobody wants to be an asshole. All right. And I hope I can cuss on this podcast, but I think, I think don't be an asshole has probably been said in like 14 of the, of the 16 episodes. Okay. It should just be on (laughs) network TV. Just put it on network TV. Okay. But the, the bottom line is like, I, I'm not looking at this as any reward. I, you know, I didn't reach out to a young Matt Harmon to be like, one day this guy's going to be NFL.com. He's going to be a budding star. 
I did it just because you had a good intention. You had a good energy about you. And, and I responded as such. Adam Schefter is was, was a friend and a mentor. The dude responds to everybody like that. I mean, if there's one thing that I need to work on, like when I get emails, I need to get back to people a little bit sooner because everybody's busy. Schefter is the best in the world at getting back to you like that. You send him an email, you send him a text, like he responds to you instantly. So uh, one of my mantras in life is, what would Adam Schefter do? So whenever I have a problem or encounter something, I'm like, well, what would Adam Schefter do? Would Adam Schefter spend time with trolls on Twitter? No, so I'm not going to either. Uh, would Adam Schefter get back to everyone and be a kind force in, in the media? Yes, of course. So then I want to do the same thing. Adam was very gracious to me, a young guy that he you know, didn't know much about fantasy football when I met him about a decade ago. You know, he forgave me for wearing a Tech 9 shirt to the studio the first time I met him, as I told you off the air. Uh, and he's been a great influence on me, such a positive spirit, a positive force. And again, I just, I remember going to the pancake house with Adam Schefter when I was like, uh, let's say two years into this thing, right? And I was barely on the radio, whatever, once a week, a couple of times a week, I was on the radio. And I went to the pancake house with Adam Schefter and Adam's sitting there. He's like, what do you want to do? And I believe I just started with football guys at the time. So this is like 2005. And I said, you know, I'd, I wouldn't mind having a fantasy article in the, in the newspaper. And Adam goes, hold on. He takes out his BlackBerry. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, yeah, David. Yeah, this is Adam. Um, yeah, I'm sitting here with Cecil Lammy. He wants to do a fantasy in the Rocky Mountain News. Yep, yep, yep. Uh-huh. Okay, good. Bye. Click. You got a job with the Rocky Mountain News. Like wow. that. Like that. He got me a job with the Rocky Mountain News. I actually made a little bit of money. And, and again, it's not about the money. It's about the journey and what it builds on. And just that type of stuff with one phone call, Adam was like, yeah, you're writing a fantasy column for the Rocky Mountain News. So that's, that's just cool. And, you know, we look back at the journey of all of us. It's, it's about the process of, of finding that path. It's, it's about the journey itself. It's not about the end result or the end destination. People ask me, what's your, what's the end game? You know what I mean? Like, what, what is it? Well, I'm living a dream every day. So like my end game, which I could say was like, be on ESPN every day. Sure, that's a nice end game. It's fantastic. I'd love that. But it's the journey. It's the today. Don't forget about today, you know, and, and don't worry about the past because it's in the past and look towards the future, but make sure to enjoy the moment. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And, and speaking of journey, and I am going to take you a little bit into the past year. So before the whole thing with Adam Schefter happens, Tell us how you got started in radio. Like, well, you make the transition from the like, things don't work out with the comic books. How do you, how do you get from there to, to radio? Yeah. Well, I was, you know, going back to the farm, going back farming, riding tractor all day or riding swather, swathing hay, baling hay, working cows, stuff like that. Um, and I'd listen to sports talk radio all day, Jim Rome specifically. And so, you know, I got up the, the balls to call in to Jim Rome wait on hold for two hours for have him hang up on me in 30 seconds. And I loved it. You know, I love every second of it. Uh, after a while, when my wife and I had moved her from the country to the city and, you know, I, I didn't graduate from college. I was a farmer. You know what I mean? I'm a blue collar guy. So I got a job as a landscaper when the snow hit in Colorado. I, you know, there's no grass to cut. So I had to find a job as a machinist and, you know, making eight bucks an hour or whatever. So, making firefighting equipment in Arvada, still listening to sports talk radio all the time, still calling into Jim Rome, like hiding behind my machine and calling into Jim Rome. And I'd gotten a few huge calls of the day, which if you're a clone, you know, like that's the big thing when he highlights your phone call is the best of the day. So I had a few huge calls of the day. 
And one day in 2003, Adam, or excuse me, Ad, Andy Lindahl, dear, dear friend of mine, I love Andy Lindahl. Him and John Turk were on the air on 760 The Zone, and they were talking about fantasy football, and it was terrible. Okay, Andy, I love you, but it was terrible. You know it was terrible. So I had called in, and I'd take my lunch break, which was supposed to be 20 minutes. So I called in, and, you know, I'm, I play, I've been playing since 1993, the fantasy football, blah, blah, blah. They had kept me on for two segments, which as a caller is very unusual. I, you know, most of my calls last about 90 seconds, and then it's on to the next one. But they kept me around for two segments to talk about fantasy football, and I was telling them why Musa Smith was the back to watch, not Chester Taylor in Baltimore, you know, stuff like this. Mm. So um, I, I'm, I'm overdue on my lunch break, right? And I'm all nervous I'm going to get in trouble because I had gotten in trouble before for, you know, hiding behind my machine, machine calling in Jim Rome. So I just go back to work. I don't have the radio on. I go back to work. I've been here the whole time. Like, of course, I wasn't over on my lunch break. My best friend, Big E, is a landscaper up in Fort Collins. And he heard my call. And then he heard the caller behind me who, God bless him, I don't know who it is. I wish I knew. But the caller behind me said, that guy's pretty good. You should hire him. So as I'm driving home, Big E calls me. He's like, hey, did you have the caller behind you? He said you were pretty good. And I was like, yeah, of course I am. And uh, there's my trademark ego. And uh, <laughs> I get home to my wife and I tell her, and I don't know where I got this clarity from. I have no idea. I wish I did. I wish I could point to something and say, this is why I felt this way. But I just said, I'm not interviewing Peyton Manning today. So if I don't interview him tomorrow, what's the big deal? And I was a machinist, right? And I had no experience in anything. So what I told her is I said, well, if I ask to be on the radio, and their answer is no, then it, I'm, you know, I'm still going to work tomorrow. Like it doesn't change anything. All I got to do is ask and it doesn't change a thing. But instead it did. I had emailed Andy Lindahl, who was the producer, who was filling in for Mark Schlereth at the time. I'd emailed Andy. I said, hey man, I, you know, I don't, I don't want any money. I, just, I love talking about football. I was the guy you talked to, blah, blah, blah. You know, I just want to talk about football. The next Friday, I was on the air with Mark Schlereth doing a fantasy football segment. Now, it was only an hour, and it was only on Fridays, but I had my own solo show like three weeks after that to talk about. And this was the budding time of fantasy football. This is when still everyone out there was like, bunch of geeks playing fantasy football. What is this crap? Bunch of trash. Well, it, it just slowly grew and evolved into, you know, what I call a career today. It started just from riding a tractor, listening to Jim Rome, you know, sneaking behind my machine to call in to the local shows, and then... One simple email and one simple nudge, you know, of, hey, can I come on the air and talk about fantasy football? I don't want any money. And for four years, two years at 760 The Zone and two years on KOA, I didn't make a dime. But I got my first paid radio gig in 2007, um, you know, and, and have rolled that into what is now the number one show in my market, my time slot uh, on 104.3 The Fan today. So, it's, it's been an incredible journey, and that's where it all began, was just me sitting on a tractor with nothing else to do but listen to sports talk radio. Yeah, isn't it crazy, that idea of, well, what do I have to lose? You know, that, that can be such a powerful, powerful momentum changer in your life. I know People are to. so afraid of, of no. People are so yeah. afraid of being disappointed or being let down. It's like, it shouldn't matter. Like, um, you know, what matters is your family. What matters are your children. What matters are your friends that are close to you. What doesn't matter is if, you know, this happens or this happens, like just keep trying, keep swinging that ax. And 
again, I don't know where I got that idea from. I hadn't met Sigmund yet, so it wasn't from him and his, you know, philosophical mind, mm -hmm. which has been a big influence on me. But I just felt like it doesn't hurt. It, you know, it doesn't change anything for me, but it did. Yeah, it, it is. It is crazy, and it's. But it's like you mentioned, Cecil. You know, with the idea of. And, you know, and I call it like negativity bias and emphasizing negativity. Like sometimes when people hear no, they just can't rebound from that, you know, and it, that no sticks with them and it keeps them from putting their neck out again or, or what have you. And it is something that like, especially when you're young and you're starting out, it's, it's, it's intimidating. It can be intimidating. And I think just listeners out there, if you're an inspire, uh, aspiring writer, you know, take it from that example that we've all been told no before and, and you just have to you put just have ego. To through it put ego aside and also to stay patient. I think what I told you in those series of tweets, which I do remember, I think, you know, I ended with like, just be good to people and be kind. Adam Schefter told me years ago, he said, see those interns behind the glass. He's like, they'll be program directors someday. Like you be nice to everybody in this business. You know, Schefter, again, a big influence. And again, staying patient. Like I remember when I first got in and I would talk to people like big name people, that were on the radio and I would learn through just talking to them like, wow, they don't know anything about football. Um, and, and I would think like, I would sometimes get frustrated. Like I should be, I should have a show or we'd go through the off season. Right. Cause I was only on during football season, but several things happened in the off season and I wouldn't, I wouldn't be on the air early, early on. And it would be frustrating. Like I should be talking about this. Well, guess what? I just stayed patient. I kept my mouth shut. I didn't talk trash about anybody. And now I am the guy that talks about it. I am the guy that, you know, goes to the Shrine game and Senior Bowl and all that. I'm that guy that I want it to be because you think about it and you bring it about. You bring your thoughts into the physical world. And also, people respond positively to positivity, but negativity, it compounds. Positivity can compound as well, but so does negativity. It's your momentum. It's your direction. And when something negative happens to you, you have to have the ability to turn that into a positive or to take the best out of it that you can and then to dissipate that negative energy you can't let it build because everything is, is energy in this universe and everything is momentum and if you build positive momentum you'll stay going in a positive direction even if negative things occur couldn't have said it better myself very true um so cecil take me back a little bit from for how you mentioned sigmund and getting hooked up with football guys i mean obviously mm -hmm. i work i still work at football guys work we're colleagues there now which believe me, it's still the coolest thing in the world for me to say. Um, <laughs> so to take me through that, that part of the journey a little bit, because I know like you and you and Sigmund, he puts it to me like you guys have been professionally married for a number of years now. Talk yeah. a little bit about that relationship. Well, I'll tell you how the Audible started. And I thank everyone out there for listening to the Audible and subscribing on iTunes and all that. But Sigmund and I had debated in the shark pool. We're both Steelers fans. And when I was on staff in 2005, Sigmund was in the shark pool. I think we were debating uh, Willie Parker, right? Mm -hmm. And I was like, Willie Parker, this, you can do this, you can do this. And Sigmund was like, he's only Amos Zaraway. Like, all I see is Amos Zaraway. And I was like, you're wrong. And it was this, this very um, heated debate, but it was also very, uh, you know, above water. We didn't get uh, personal or anything like that, like message boards can be. We just kept it civil, but we had this heated debate about Willie Parker and is he Amos Zaraway or could he be more than that? Well, Sigmund was hired in 2006, and to congratulate him for being hired, I just had called him. I had been tasked by Joe and David. We had a, a meeting in Vegas. It was back when it was every other year, Matt, before your time, and we had a meeting in Vegas. It was my first Football Guys meeting, and they said, hey, we want to do a podcast. Cecil, you're in radio. Figure it out. 
<laughs> and that was it. That was like, figure it out. So yeah. when Sigmund got hired, I called him up on the phone and he's in Austin. I'm in Denver. We talked for three hours. Like we were, you know, best. Did we just become best friends? Uh, uh, I mean, just mm. like we, we had talked like we had never missed a beat. And as the end, the phone call ended after three hours, I said, let's do this. Let's make this the show. Like our phone call should be the show. So I had called him up. We'd, okay, we're going to do that. What's it going to be called? I want it to be called the Zone Blitz, right? And we had had some discussions on our, our Football Guys staff message board, like, what's it going to be called? And Jeff Pasquino had named it the Audible. He's like, it's the Audible. I was like, the Zone Blitz. And he's like, no, the Audible. It works two ways, dummy. He's like, it's the Audible. I'm like, Zone Blitz. And, but it was voted as the Audible. So I was like, damn it. But I, you know, now it's the Audible. It's, it's what I love. Anyway. So the first episode, which I still have on my iTunes, and every time I'm working on a show or on the couch or editing or whatever, I'll, I'll see that show. And if I want to, I can go back and listen to it. I say welcome back on the first show, all right? <laughs> hey, welcome back. The very first episode of The Audible right here. And, you know, I, I, I bash baseball in like the first three minutes. So it's like so oh, classic yeah. old me. Acceptable. Acceptable. Yeah, there you go. Um, but the first episode, Sigmund was on speakerphone. And I had put the tape recorder, tape recorder. You don't even know what that is, Matt. Tape no. recorder next to the phone. But because it was too close to the phone, there was this brr, 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 feedback. So I said, I call it, hey, Sigmund, we got to do it again. So I just speaker phone, tape recorder a little bit further away. Something happened during that. I had to do it again. We had did the first show three times. Maybe that's why I said, welcome back. Because we did yeah. it three times. So I took the cassette put the cassette onto a CD. This is 2005. Took the cassette onto a CD, took the CD, put it on my computer, put it into one of our servers at Football Guys that, you know, told iTunes it was there. We got on iTunes and, you know, I think the first year we did like a hundred and some episodes. And then following that, we got into, I think one year we almost did 400 episodes, but we got into a rhythm where we're doing like 250 to 275 episodes per year multiple there's like a you know 10 episodes per week during the regular season and then during the off season like it's just grown and evolved so much but it started with a phone call and that became a phone call recorded on a cassette which then became now what we do much easier through the power of the internet but that's how the audible started that's how sigmund and i uh were introduced to each other the first time he met me he gave me this big hug and i'm and especially at that time i wasn't necessarily a touchy-feely person and like, I just met the guy and he's just giving this, and not a bro hug either with the, you know, the arm in between, like just a big hug. That's just who Sigmund is. Yeah. And ever since then it's been, you know, game on and, and so much fun to, to do the audible with him for over a decade now. It's funny. Sometimes you meet people that are very instrumental to your path, but, but they are kind of different from, cause I see you and it's like, I know, I know you and, and Sigmund very well now at this point, which again is still the coolest thing in the world to me but like you guys are very similar in some ways but but have that like distinct personality differences that i think makes the show so interesting and, and it's important to kind of identify that person too if especially if you're doing a podcast or a show long term well it's that. chemistry and i've told yeah. sigmund several times i'm like i don't care if we hate each other we still got to do this show because it's chemistry and i will tell you as a radio professional finding chemistry is incredibly difficult and it's not something we did on purpose we're just different people that have an insane passion for football. And we're different in a lot, of, a lot of, of key ways. Um, but we have great debates. We have great discussions off the air. And Sigmund's taught me a lot about life and perspective and how to look at things properly. I've taught him a lot 
uh, I feel the same, but from a different perspective. Like, and it's what I always say. It's why I don't ever talk politics with people because I've got friends who are super liberal. I've got friends who are super hardcore conservative and I get along with both. And really at the end of the day, we kind of all want the same thing. So right. let's all do this together. Let's, let's, I, I say this, I'm an agent of unity and not an agent of division. I don't like things that divide people. And I like things that bring people together because the power of the human condition, the power of the human spirit is, is fascinating to me and it's overwhelming. So again, I'd just rather be positive rather than be negative and point fingers at whatever side. And eh, it's like WWE, man. It's like, let's just uh, hug it out. Let's all, let's all get together and do this thing we want to do, which is live a good life. Certainly. Yeah. We're kind of, we are all kind of in the same way. We're chasing this, the, the, the identical goal, but uh, you know, paths to get there or whatever are different, but what does, that doesn't really matter. Um, Cecil, so obviously not only are you big in, in radio and especially locally there in Denver, but you, you know, you're an inside man. Like you mentioned, you, you, cover the Denver Broncos, you know, John Elway, he respects your opinion. How do you get to that status, like with one certain team or how did you do it in particular? Uh, through tr some errors. Uh, there's one <laughs> time when Jim Sakamano, who is a legend in terms of public relations for the Denver Broncos, the press box at the stadium is named for Mr. Sakamano. Uh, mm -hmm. Early on in my career, I was setting up an interview with Amon Green with the Green Bay Packers. And I was at training camp and Mike Shanahan used to let you stand right by him during training camp. Like that was not an issue at all. Um, now, like ever since McDaniels showed up, we got put in this little corner as media members. But anyway, so I'm like standing next to Mike Shanahan, right? During training camp and practice, just be like, what's up? It's cool, right? And uh, I get a call from Packers PR and we're trying to set up something with Amon Green. And Jim Sakamano looks at me and he's like, what are you doing? Who are you talking to? I'm like, the Packers. And he grabs my phone, he hangs it up. He's like, you can't talk to another team while you're watching the practice of this team. You can't talk on the cell phone. I was like, whoops. And I was all embarrassed. But uh, oh, Mr. Sakamano and I are, are, are dear, dear friends now. I love and respect him. And uh, hopefully he does me as well. But, you know, just being there, doing the work and, and being positive. Again, going back to that, uh, I don't blow bubbles at the Broncos. I'll have to clean that up for podcast purposes. I don't blow bubbles at the Denver Broncos, but I will talk honestly about what they're doing, both good and bad. But because I maintain a fairness to what I say, teams will take issue with what you say. I got in trouble with the Rockies like a week ago. All right. Mm -hmm. uh, about a week ago, talking about the Rockies. And I had mentioned, I like their general manager, Jeff Breidich but I think he could be a little friendlier on the radio, which is true. He doesn't really warm up during the interview process. The Rockies had reached out to my bosses and were like, why is he talking bad about the team? Like, so teams know what you say and when you say it. Uh, but, but the fact that I can stay fair in my analysis of the Denver Broncos and emphasize what they're doing right and what I feel they're doing wrong, that earns you a lot of respect. Of course, knowing former players like Mark Schlereth, like Tommy Nalen, you know, former Broncos, Terrell Davis and I are very close now. Like I love TD. I love that guy. So just kind of being cool by association, but just doing yeah. it for the right reasons. And one of the big things I've always thought this, why did Mark Schlereth help me? Like, why did Adam Schefter help me? Why I'm just, you know, some machinist, right? Some dude from the country who just loves football. Why did they help me? Why was it me? The answer that I've found is I didn't ask for anything. Right. When I, when Adam Schefter and I were at breakfast and he's like, what do you want to do? I was like, ah, you know, write a column for the newspaper. 
that wasn't really asking him, right? Because you don't approach an Adam Schefter and be like, can you get me a job? Can you get me a job on NFL Network? Can you get me a job right now? Can you get me a job on ESPN? Can you get me a job? I just, I didn't ask for that. I just want to be cool. Just want to hang out. Like when Stink and I would go have Starbucks, right? When I first started in and, you know, I get to sit around and drink coffee with Mark Schlereth. Hell yeah. Like, but I didn't ask him. I wasn't like, hey, you're going to get me on ESPN? I didn't even joke about it. You know why? Because right. I didn't care. Because my, my passion was talking about football. And, and, you know, being around football. So really that to me is a great point to emphasize as well. Like do what you do, do it really well. And then don't ask for anything. And, and there will be a cool by association. There will be, you know, ways that you can work your way up just without, without the uh, annoyance of being like, don't, don't be that guy. It's not, don't be that guy Friday, but don't be that guy that annoys people above you by asking, can you do what I, because people think, oh, it's easy. I can be on the radio. I can talk sports. That's easy. Do it. Do it. If you think it's so easy, it takes a lot of work, a lot of dedication and just staying patient and staying positive. Yeah, it is. And I can attest to some of that. Uh, it's not as easy as, as you think. I remember like, you know, before I obviously wanted to actually try and do this, like being a fan, I used to think all the time, listen to podcasts, like that should be me. I should do that. And then like doing podcasts when I first started out, I was like, I wanted to throw up in my lap. <laughs> it's not, it's not quite the same thing uh, when you actually have to do it. So, but it, that, that practice does, does make it important. And I remember you telling me that the first time we met about the, you know, not asking and, and how key that was. And I think that's important. I, I can, you know, look back through my journey and, and there's definitely never been a point where, I tried to, you know, because, and I think we talked about this with Liz Loza on her episode too. Like you can tell when somebody wants to associate with you just to get something out of you. And that's definitely not, not, not the way to uh, ingratiate yourself with another human being uh, in any way. So I think that's, that is definitely an important point. Um, You mentioned Cecil a little bit about uh, like associating with players. And there's one funny story about Monte Ball calling into your radio station that I, I, I want you to tell. I want you to tell that story real quick just because I think it's it's well, funny. It kind of shows that they know what you're saying sort of thing. Right. Well, with the draft coming up, um, you know, it's very fitting. I was on the air from New York City, and when Monte Ball was picked by the Broncos, and I felt it was a horrible pick, and I was, t- I was bashing like, this is horrible. This is Monte Ball. What are they doing? Eddie Lacy right there. I mean, my God, what do you want to hear with this Monte Ball? Why do you want a Wisconsin back? Just railing the guy, right? <laughs> My producer, again, I'm in New York City, so I'm not in Denver. Um, my producer says in my ear, Monte's on hold. He wants to talk to you. And I was like, to the uh, famous Dave's Barbecue Fan Hotline, Monte Ball, ladies and gentlemen. Um, uh, and, uh, yeah, and Monte was a good sport to, for that. Um, he was, you know, decent with me after that. Other players get mad when you, when you talk bad about him. I've been hard on Ronnie Hillman. Ronnie Hillman and I used to do a secret handshake out at training camp because he came from San Diego State. I love the Aztecs, man. Uh, my son is visiting there. My son is a, a high school quarterback and football player. He's visiting with the Aztecs this summer. Like, I love San Diego. I love San Diego State. And, you know, Hillman comes out. I'm like, this is the guy. And he goes through practice and he looks amazing, especially his second year. Looks amazing. And I'm telling everybody, ah, oh, this is the guy. Denver, this is the one you want. And he goes into preseason. He fumbles three times. Two of them return for touchdowns. And ever since then, like, it's been downhill for me and Ronnie. So we used to go from doing a secret handshake every day, like, what's up, bro hug, talk about, you know, whatever new hip-hop album was out, to now, like, yeah, we don't really talk. I'm not going to say he doesn't want to talk to me, but it's probably not his favorite thing to do, especially with the emergence of C.J. Anderson. C.J. 
heard me in 2013 when I was watching practice and I said on the air, CJ Anderson's the best back here. Like I, I know they got Monte and Bob, you know, Ronnie's here and, and McGahee, but I was like, CJ Anderson's the best back here. I just interviewed him after he signed the offer sheet with the Broncos on the air on the fan. And he, he brought that story up. He said, you were the guy that was on ESPN radio saying CJ Anderson's the best one in Denver. So him and I are incredibly close. Like we are great friends. I don't want to say best friends, but we are great, great friends. And it's something that, you know, I didn't go in. I didn't say that about CJ Anderson. So him and I could be great buddies. I just saw him and just got me excited. He was really cool. So, Hey, CJ Anderson, next thing you know, you know, he's a Super Bowl champion. It's been a great story. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. It, and it's been cool because I remember, you know, listening to the Audible, obviously, back then, like you guys consistently touting CJ Anderson and, and then and you are obviously there and get to develop that relationship with him. And it's cool. And you see people in the business, you know, not to, now I'm not going to name any names. But you see people in the business like get tight with players because they think it makes them look better or, you know, right. it improves some just whatever again using another person for uh for their own personal gains never cool but you know it's, it's like it's not quite the same thing but like with Allen robinson like you know obviously i pumped the guy up for the whole season you know whole preseason can sit like probably contributed to driving up his adp and fantasy like four rounds <laughs> <laughs> and then at the end of the year you know like he followed me back on twitter and you know dm'd me and was like dude thanks for all the support and i was like God, what, kidding me? Like, <laughs> don't thank me. I didn't do it. Thank you for being awesome. <laughs> I mean, I probably have, right. a, I probably have a job because of you. So yeah. And you know, now like I was tweeting about him the other night and he was going through and liking all my stuff and you know, it's, it's, you built, it's, it's, it's not any sort of thing that it makes me better or, or same with you and CJ, like, but it's just cool because you're, and this is something I've always appreciated about like you and Sigmund, like, it's not about us. It's about, you know, it's about the game and it's just cool to be a part of the story. Glory to the players, glory to the game. I mean, it's about what they do. And uh, I think from a fantasy lens, and again, I'm not going to name any names, um, but there are people that couch everything they say. Well, he could be good, but he could kind of be good. But I don't know if he's good. I think he kind of stinks, but he's kind of good. Or there are people who are so afraid of being wrong. And when something happens, like I'll bring up an example of CJ Anderson's foot and turf toe injury from week one. And how C.J. Anderson, who I had said, hey, this guy could lead the league in rushing. C.J. Anderson easily in the, you know, you get to the second half of the first round of your fantasy draft, take a guy who's going to lead in the Kubiak system. It's perfect. And then he gets hurt and everyone's swarm. Oh, my God. And C.J. had to, you know, leave Twitter for a little bit because of the negativity that was coming down on him. I sent him a picture uh, during the bye week. And you can go back through my Twitter timeline and see it. But I had bought a C.J. Anderson jersey during the Broncos bye week, and I was outside the team store, and I just took a selfie with me and my C.J. Anderson jersey, and I texted him that picture, and I said, I believe. And it's not me. I didn't turn C.J. Anderson's season around, but I just wanted him to know that he had my un- unnerving support. Like, I was always going to be there for him as a friend, not just as a radio guy or fantasy whatever. And as we saw, second half of the season, what did he do again? He blew up again, led the league in rushing in the postseason. Like, all this stuff was a key instrument, the only thing they could do on offense, basically in the Super Bowl. So, you know, it's just, again, going back to being positive, I know that I'm going to be wrong about players. I'm fully aware of that. I will talk about how I missed on Dan Lefevre or whatever. Like, how am I wrong about players? I learn more from my misses than I do from my hits, but I'm never afraid to be wrong. I don't want to be wrong, obviously, for people to respect your opinion, you want to be right more than you want to be wrong as a fantasy analyst, but you have to go in knowing that that's just part of the game and things are going to happen outside of your control. 
one of my other mantras in life is control what you can control. If I can't control it, well, you know, whatever. Now, again, you want to put in the research, you want to put in the time, you want to be very thorough with your analysis, but don't be that guy who is, you know, I'm always right. I am never wrong or so afraid to be wrong that you couch everything and you can play it every either way. You know, I thought, I thought it would be good and he was, or I thought they'd be bad and he was like, you're not the story, bro. You're not the story. The player is the story. The season is the story. Like you are not the story. The player is. And I wish more fantasy analysts were like that. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. And that is definitely like something I've, I've learned from you guys that I've tried to bring into my work now at NFL.com. But like, I, you know, that doesn't, I don't, you know, it doesn't matter. Like it, it's, it's about them and this is their story and we just get to be a part of it. And, and that's why when you see, you know, fans get, get so mad about this or that. And like, I remember there was one specific example, like when Allen Robinson had like one catch for four yards and a touchdown in, uh, and it still got the touchdown. Like, give me a break. Don't, don't be greedy. Uh, like, you know, against the Colts in the fantasy playoffs, I had somebody tweet me like, how do, how do you think your boy Robinson feels about only getting one catch in the fantasy playoffs? And I was like, well, for one, I don't think he cares that it's the fantasy playoffs. Like they won the game, you know? <laughs> so, right, right. And it's just, again, like, we're not the story they are. And it's just cool to be a part of it. It's some little small fraction of it. And I think it's a, that is a very big perspective to take from, uh, well, from, from, don't half step. Sorry to cut yeah. you off there, Matt, no. but don't half step. And I think there's a lot of people, maybe not a lot. I, I, I'll couch that statement, but there are some people who just want to half work and want to half do things. Like I read something and then I, here's my opinion. Like, yeah. no, put in the research besides we know, <laughs> We know, those of us who are hardcore football guys, we know if you know what you're talking about or if you yeah. don't or if you're full of it. And you can have different opinions, right? You can totally have different opinions uh, and that's fine, but have some you know, facts behind it or opinions behind it and be able to support those. And, and it's wonderful when you can get in a debate. Matt Waldman and I argue all the time. And it's- You guys awesome. argue about running backs every-, every uh, Exactly, every exactly. And, and you know, we, we got some hits, we got some misses. Like, it's, it's great. The, the back and forth is, is wonderful because I respect the hell out of Matt. I, I respect Matt so much, and I know he's doing the work. He knows I'm doing the work. And then let's talk about it. Let's see what we've seen, and then let's discuss it. I think it's fascinating, and it's something that you can respect because you know- you know, from my point of view, I know Matt's putting in the time, man. I mean, you have 1500 page rookie scouting portfolio. You're putting in the time. Yeah, no kidding. That, that, that's for sure. And Cecil, that kind of does naturally transition me into one thing I want to ask you next. Like speaking of work, you're, you're, you're a man that wears, you know, many hats. Like you cover the Broncos as, as like a beat writer and an insider. You, you're on the radio and you're also doing, you know, fantasy work for football guys. And, and I know you write for Bleacher Report and, and other, other places like that. What, how do you, how do you take all that time out of your day? And, uh, and how do you, how do you kind of sparse that out to, in order that you mentioned, you know, still pay attention to your real life too. How, like, is that ever a struggle or, or how do you, oh, how yeah. Do you manage that? yeah, it's definitely a struggle. I mean, I have three kids who deserve all of my attention. They're way more important than I am and they're way more important than football. And I need to properly, you know, put in the time with each one of them individually and as a group do stuff as a family go on vacation. I, I'd say for that, the biggest thing is discipline. Like I try to be done at 6 p.m. mountain every day. Um, my day job, if you will, is doing the newswire for footballguys.com and our newsletter that goes out to hundreds of thousands of people. Like I write that. Um, Sigmund works on the newswire as well. 
And of course, Joe puts in his opinions as well. So, you know, just doing that makes me better on the radio because I'm already writing about everything I'm going to be talking about. Covering the Broncos for Bleacher Report makes me better on the radio because I'm already writing about what I'm talking about. So it all works together. My work at Football Guys and covering the news uh, works together with what I do on the air. And my coverage of the Broncos for Bleacher Report works together with what I do on the radio. And it all, you know, and that helps me with the Audible. And the Audible helps me be better on the air. The Audible is a is a big reason why I've had so much success on the air because I figure out who I am as a personality. And in radio or podcasting, you have to have a personality. You don't want to be all personality and no information but you want to have a nice balance of both. So by doing the audible makes me better at radio radio makes me better at the audible. They all work together, but you know, have a set time of these are my work hours and these are my off hours. And when I'm off, I'm off. I don't spend a lot of time on Twitter. Uh, I always say this, this is how I handle Twitter. Cause I can lose hours as everyone can just going through and looking at everyone's timeline and, you know, watching your newsfeed, whatever. That's what I do. <laughs> all I do is look at my at replies. And, you know, all apologies to people out there that I follow, but, you know, all I do is look at my at replies. If it's on my at replies, I will respond as quickly as I can. But when I'm off, I'm off. I, you know, try to put the phone away. I got the, the kids are such a driving force in what I do as a father. That's the most important thing I'll ever do is how I raise my children. So it's just being disciplined, but there are, you know, times and there are polls, you know, I got this national show that wants to do a spot with me at like 10 PM at night. Okay. Yes. I'll do that, but it's good to have time for your hobbies. Good to have time for your family and good to, you know, go exercise and just be you. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's really important. It's, that's something I'm learning as a, you know, now that I'm full-time doing this and, and this off season, especially being like, I need to have some, you know, I got to have some other things going on and it's, it is definitely, definitely important. Um, see, so kind of winding down here, I uh, really want to thank you for one for 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 your time. This has been fantastic. It's, it's clear you have a great perspective on all this, and it's you know why I wanted to have you on the podcast, of course. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned obviously kind of that that end game, you know, and I mean I'm going to ask you the question, you kind of like where do you see things going from here? I guess for you in in your journey, and and or, or are you? I don't want to say are you satisfied. That's not quite what I mean, but like what's next for Cecil Lang? I'm thankful and blessed for every day that I have as someone who, uh, you know, used to be in a lot better shape and has a bad heart naturally. Um, it's something that I take uh, breath of, you know, I, I understand it like every day is a gift um, and I'm very thankful for that um, uh, as someone who used to, you know, ride motorcycles like 180 miles an hour down public highways. I've done that. And, you know, it's just part of who I am. I love the adrenaline rush of going fast. I love to drive fast. I love to talk fast, think fast. I'm basically like Winston Wolf, except I don't think I have as much money as him. Um, end game for me, you know, obviously doing TV and just covering the game and growing and, you know, evolving my brand even more so, um, you know, that for me would be where it goes. And, you know, as a talk show host, you know, possibly being on drive time one day, I'll say this and I'll spoil it for everybody out there. I want CJ Anderson to play for 10 more years, right? However long he wants to play. And after he's done, CJ and I are going to do a radio show together. That's what I want to do. We've talked about it. So uh, one day, one day, maybe in drive time, it'll be CJ and Cease coming up. Denver Sports Station, Sports Radio 104.3. The fan. Oh, that's awesome. I think that would be a, a real 
real treat to listen to. Well, see, so I'm going to give you the floor one last time without any question. Just to, you know, I always do this for the guests before I yank it out from under you. Anything, any final parting thoughts from you to say to the audience or aspiring writers before we get out of here? The biggest thing my mother ever taught me as the largest influence in my life was love. Love is the number one energy. We've been talking a lot about energy, right? Positive energy, negative energy, all this. The number one energy in the universe is love. It's very, very powerful. Love yourself first and foremost. Love those around you that deserve your love, your family, your close friends. I've talked about my brother, Big E. I've talked about my family, my wife, Stacy, my kids, Liam, Katarina, and Avery. Love them. I love them as much as I possibly can. It's the best energy. It's, it's you know, nature's elixir. It helps everything. And it's something that all of us can spread in that love. Love what you do. Too many people out there don't enjoy what they do and it really affects their day-to-day lives. So even if it's as a hobby, right? Um, find what you love and do what you love. I love drawing. So I want to draw as much as possible. I love playing video games. So I want to play GTA five as much as possible. Not, you know, not to a detriment because you can definitely go down that rabbit hole. Um, but just do what you enjoy, be who you are. And my mantra in life is get down how you get down. Right. I mean, I'm 40 year old guy who plays video games. Some people would make fun of that. Like Joel Klatt. Um, I, I could get into me in a Klatt's uh, spat in a little bit, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's just who I am. Like I love gears of war. I'm going to play gears of war four when it comes out in October this year. Like that's just me. Be who you are. Love what you love. No apologies. And just get down how you get down and love those around you. It's life is life seems to be complex, but, I think there's a simplicity to it that we need to recognize and enjoy. And that's just basically love. Absolutely. That's well said as much as this has been Cecil. Again, I want to thank you so much for coming on. Uh, make sure you are listening to Cecil on, on the radio uh, and, and, and on the audible, of course. And I don't say that just because I work for football guys too, but it's, you know, it's, it's a show that obviously helped me helped craft me into the, the, the analyst or, or writer that I am today. And it's a, it's an important part of, of, of the whole journey that we're all on together. Um, and, and, and speaking of the journey together, thank you guys, the listeners, for coming on this journey with me, listening to the podcast so far. This has been really an incredible uh, experience. The feedback is great. And in order for us to keep doing this, you know, if you guys would just share the show, you know, listen, subscribe on iTunes, leave ratings, reviews. I'd like to have some sort of like incentive to, to get people to do that, but I don't really have anything to offer except more tweets and dog pictures. So that's about all I have. But so again, I want to thank you all so much for listening and I hope you learned something today.